0: This is episode 101 with Janet Murray of Soulful PR. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. This episode is brought to you by Backerkit. Backerkit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you take care of all the spreadsheet nightmares after your campaign is done. Let me explain. Once you have hundreds of new backers for your product, you're going to be exporting a ton of customer data that is probably going to change. People will need to change their shipping address. They'll want to downgrade some of their rewards. They'll want to buy more rewards. And when you don't have a system in place to help with this, it's actually going to be taking a lot more of your time dealing with customer service admin, and you're probably going to screw stuff up, which is not good long-term for customer relations. Backerkit gives you a full done-for-you software platform online where you can easily manage all of your customer data. And my favorite part about working with them is that once your campaign actually wraps up, they help you get additional sales from your customers by offering to upsell to more rewards or options that you may or may not have on your campaign. They have worked with more than 2,000 projects, delivering more than 3.5 million rewards um, and products. This could be digital products or, heck, even physical products to you guys. They've been amazing to work with. I've partnered with them on the show because I've worked with them in the past and they are amazing. So if you are looking for a partner after your campaign that's going to make your life super easy, they are the ones to go to. To find out more information, go to backerkit.com. But wait, at checkout, they're actually giving the uncut listeners, which are you guys, going to give you 50% off of their setup services. So when you go to backerkit.com, go to checkout and use the five code uncut, U-N-C-U-T. Hey, guys, welcome back to Crowdfunding Uncut. I'm Kirsten. And you've probably heard that a 1,000 times by now. But I'm glad that I'm in your earbuds. Um, In terms of this week, I'm really stoked, because I think Janet and I have been trying to schedule this interview for about 12 months now. Um, She's one of the TTT alumni, so the lovely women that I met at Tropical Think Tank um, in the Philippines through Chris Ducker's event um, for two years in a row. I'm glad that we finally had a chance to connect. and how she's relevant, Janet Murray is the founder of Soulful PR, and she specializes in helping uh, business owners just like you, myself, um, like actually be able to sculpt your message for the media and pitch the media yourself and being as effective, if not more effective, than hiring a PR firm. And I found that this is completely relevant to product launches because I have a love-hate relationship with PR firms, and I'm, I know like Janet, you and I are going to get into this a little bit, but... PR firms are really great at crafting your brand story and positioning you well and they generally have the connections and people feel that you're paying a PR firm for the connections that they have. Um, However, you're usually paying thousands upon thousands of dollars for something that doesn't have a tangible ROI. So when you are a, a brand owner or even this is your first crowdfunding product launch, you don't have thousands of dollars to sink into a media budget for a PR firm. And this is something with the right skill and the right refinement and, and right direction that you can actually develop this and pitch media yourself. And Jen and I, you know, we've had, you know, you and I have had this conversation poolside several times and I'm like, we need to get on the podcast. And so I'm very excited to say that finally, what, 12 months later, we're on the (laughs) podcast.
1: Yeah, it does feel uh, quite amazing. We've actually managed to pull it off today, haven't we?
0: I know, because usually it's like some emergency on your end, or I'm like, oh, no, I I had a double booking or whatever. So um, I'm just really really stoked to hear your story. Like, I've intentionally not dug into um, your backstory and granular details of what you do, because I really wanted to hear it for a first time from you today. Um, But you've helped so many of my entrepreneur friends get coverage your book uh your press release is breaking my heart is like fantastic and i just uh i'm excited to have you on the show so um janet why don't we start by you giving us a bit of backstory of who janet murray is and how you got into pr
1: so i guess the most important thing to say about my story is I teach PR but I've never actually worked in PR so (laughs) I've spent the last 16 years writing and editing for national newspapers so mainly in the UK so big titles like The Guardian, The Independent, The Telegraph, Daily Express, The Sun. I've pretty much written and edited for most of them um, lots of magazines as well. And I noticed something when I was starting out very, very early on. So I've pretty much always been freelance and always worked for myself as a journalist. And I noticed something in the early days, which I capitalized on quite early on, really, and I noticed that people were terrible at pitching into the media. So as a journalist, I would just get these kind of like dreadful press releases and pitches in my inbox from from people who just didn't seem to have a clue. What was a good story for a journalist and what would annoy me all along was that I was a small business owner myself. So I was working for myself, you know, more as a freelancer back then. And I would think this could be somebody like me. This could be somebody who in good faith has hired a PR company to work for them. And what are they doing? They're sending out these dreadful press releases about things that a journalist would never, ever be interested in in a million years. And they're just being swindled. So I decided that if they didn't know how to pitch, then I was going to teach them how to pitch myself. Um, So I started running workshops in London where with another journalist friend of mine we pitch up and at the time we worked with some quite big brands some big banks and some big retail outlets in the UK and we would just teach people what journalists were interested in what they were not interested in and teach them how to put pictures together and then this gradually kind of turned into these bigger events that I started running which were um where I'd get like I still do it now actually I get eight national journalists to come along and these days it's like 80 small business owners in a room for a day and and so that they can hear what it is that journalists are looking for what they're not looking for what makes a great pitch what makes a terrible pitch all of that stuff and so they can really kind of you know understand from the ground up how it all works and gradually i mean initially I I was doing this work just as a way to kind of supplement my income as a journalist because it's not particularly well paid and doing these big events and doing these workshops led to me getting hired as a consultant and that kind of supplemented my income but I started to enjoy it more and more and just kind of by accident as many of these things happen I started a blog and I start I thought oh how can I get more of this nice juicy corporate consultancy work so I started a blog where I was just basically answering people's questions. So how do I write a press release? What makes a great pitch? How do I find journalist contact details? All of this stuff. And it just started to get a little bit of traction. And I realized that people were quite interested in it. I didn't realize what I was doing at the time was content marketing. I was just kind of like creating this blog. And um, then I kind of thought, well, actually, I'm enjoying this more than, journalism and what I'd love to be able to do is to help business owners with this so at the time I was kind of mainly helping because I specialize in education as a journalist so I was helping like education organizations and charities and gradually I started to kind of pivot to to create more content for small business owners and ended up writing a book and starting a podcast and the blog's been going for quite a few years now so that pretty much sort of brings me up to date as to where I am now and nowadays I, I pretty much spend most of my time helping small business owners to promote themselves in the media do it in a variety of ways so i've got a membership community called the soulful pr studio i've obviously got my blog and my podcast and i also do webinars and i've got my book and and so mainly it's small business owners i run lots of live events again i I, think I ran 14 last year and so mainly yeah it's about helping small business owners to get their message out and kind of making them realize that they don't have to have a big budget and hiring a PR company there's actually quite a lot that you can do yourself to get quite high profile media coverage so does that kind of bring you up to speed as to to where I am
0: it does yeah you've um, sounds like you've been busy over the last few years <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite busy yeah what would you say Cause I have the pleasure of working online too and then offline. Um, but you seem to you, right now you're doing more offline stuff than me. Which do you prefer better and why?
1: So when you say offline, do you mean um, like
0: your, okay. So your workshops versus virtually uh, okay. through your blog and podcasts.
1: Ooh. I mean, I love working with people online, but there's something really lovely about meeting people at a live event. And so I'm running a live event in London, Next week, in fact, this is my Soulful PR Live event where I get all these journalists together with with business owners. And I'd say probably about 50% of my membership community are coming to that. So it's almost like you're carrying on the conversation. And when you meet people in person and you kind of stand and talk to them and you get that kind of personal connection, it really does make a difference so I think I quite like the mix of it I don't think I I mean I've been like freelance working for myself for years I don't think and I, I like that and I like being on my own and occasionally like I'm doing it in a couple of weeks actually I'm doing a week uh, working at the Guardian covering for an editor which is kind of nice for a week but I'm always quite relieved to get back to my home <laughs> office so yeah I quite like the mix
0: yeah I hear you like Part of me does miss the nine to five corporate setup because you have teammates and you're working together with a group of people towards a mission or whatever. Right. But you can't trade the freedom that you have by being a solopreneur. And like I do have a team, but they are virtual. So there is that like Mm -hmm. that trade off a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I have a team of about three or four people that help me, but we all work virtually. And I go every morning to work in a coffee shop around the corner from my house. I spend the morning there and do all my writing in the morning. And in the afternoons, I tend to do consultancy and calls and podcast interviews and things like this. And I just kind of love that. And I get more my socializing from like I go out running, belong to a running club and do races and uh, musical as well. And I get I get I get enough socialization doing that. I'm quite happy kind of working on my own and and doing things at home.
0: Man, I think if you can give me a habit to just put in my schedule and I didn't think twice about it, it would be the waking up early and writing in the Mm. morning, right? Um, I just, you know, I I realize I need more intentionality behind that when I create my schedule, but I feel that, you know, even when I do, um, I'll have meetings in the afternoon and I'll leave the morning open, but then I'm like, oh, well, I don't have a deadline, so I could just snooze. And then it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, I didn't get anything
1: done. So, yeah, that's cool. I think it's my back as a journalist, basically, just having to write on demand and not be able to make excuses. So the first thing I do and I get up quite early, I get up at five. (laughs) And the first thing I do is I write something so I know what it is that I'm going to write in the morning. And I've got an 11 year old daughter and pretty much before she's got up, I've written a blog post or I've written some email marketing copy or something like that. And that's just my best time. Like, I really would like to be able to go to the gym. I used to do that all the time, that's all the time. but I've just really like my writing time, so I might as well go with it.
0: Yep, for sure. So I hear you with this whole, It you cringe when you get some pitches. And now I know that you are better at pitching than me, so I'm not even going to try to take that like, okay. trophy but I've become good at pitching because out of necessity. So pitching podcast guests Mm -hmm. or pitching media on behalf of my clients before, um, like, you know, a year ago when we we were doing that. Um, and now when I get certain pitches to my inbox, it makes me cringe because they're anything from a book that they write you or they don't get to the point immediately or they Mm -hmm. just give you a bunch of features. So I, I totally hear you on that. Um, I'm wondering, what would you say, What can you remember one specific pitch that was the worst or one of the worst you've ever seen?
1: It's really hard to think of the worst pitch. Actually, the ones that stand out are the ones that are really good because so many of them are terrible. And I think the thing to, to bear in mind when you're pitching to a journalist is just how many how many press releases and how many pictures they're getting every day. I was preparing a resource for the event that I'm running next week. And I was making a list of all the different ways that journalists get stories. So they get them from freelance journalists, they get them from press releases, they get them from news agencies, they get them from emergency services, they get them from the police, they get them from charities, the list just goes on and on. So if you want yours to stand out, it's really got to be good. And the main thing's are that use you've got evidence there that you've actually read it sounds really obvious but you've actually read the publication or you've actually listened to the radio show that you're pitching to or whatever it might be and so many people just miss that and you know it's kind of insulting really journalists have a limited amount of airtime or column inches to play with a lot of people vying for that space so if you haven't just done that basic research well what kind of stuff do they normally cover what don't they then your pitch is going to fail At the first hurdle so the other thing to think about is having a really strong email subject header and a mistake you see people making a lot is they try to be clever and they try to use puns and wordplay so an example I often give is if you had a a surfing a clothing line for surfers or something like that you you might be tempted to put something like surfing excuse me (coughs) surfing the wave of fashion or something like that or new business surfs the wave of fashion but actually, to a busy journalist, that might not mean anything at all. So if your story is about a new brand of disposable surfwear or something like that, that's kind of what you need to put in your subject header. And I think you need to get to the point quickly. So instead of having three paragraphs outlining the background and the back history of your business, it's much better to say, hi, Janet, just wondered if you'd be interested in doing a piece on my disposal surfware surfwear line or whatever the story might be and just get straight to the point be really visual so often pictures will sell a story or if it's radio then they'll be thinking well what will people hear and if it's tv what will, what will people see what can we show them and um, so that basically it's about putting yourself in the shoes of the journalist appreciating that they're going to be really busy they're getting a lot of pictures and um, so how can you get your idea across in as few words as possible and I often explain this in journalism we have a term which is the 10 word top line and I really believe if you can't summarize your story in 10 words or less or fewer is the, is the grammatical correct term then um, your story probably isn't quite there you're probably not ready to pitch.
0: So this whole thing story is in you can use that with email marketing. You can use that to tell your brand story to connect with customers. How would you craft a story? Like, okay. I guess like when I look at the pitches that I do, um, I like to keep it to, I'm not gonna bore you with like the specific details, but like I keep it to five specific points of it where it's like first name, uh, show you've done your research, and then what you want, f- like basically like why are you contacting them? And so in that why are you contacting them section without going too much into the story, what I would say is like, um, we are launching a Kickstarter campaign for an innovative new line of blank. Here's why I think your audience will love it. And then I just list off like feature one would benefit to audience, feature two, and so on. Right. Um, I'm curious to see like how you would tell the story in a succinct fashion and how you would coach someone to get to the point and tell the story without telling the backstory. Like, does that well, make sense?
1: the first thing I, yeah, the first yeah. thing I would do is take, is take the, we, we are launching out of it. Um, so for the journalists, it's all about the story. They're not really interested in you or your business unless there's something really unusual about you. So so generally, I would say instead of saying, you know, we're launching this, I would be like, you know would you be interested in doing a story about a crowdfunding campaign for whatever it might be? or I mean, usually they will be more interested in the product, basically than the, you know what it is you're raising money for rather than the the campaign itself. Um, so that would be the key thing. And I think it it all comes back to doing your research because you might pitch to one publication there might be something that you think well actually I think that particular publication might be interested in this angle they might be really interested in telling the story of this Um, another publication might be interested in something completely different and the other thing to bear in mind as well which can be a bit mind-blowing if you haven't got much experience of the media I think it's really important to have an understanding of different types of media content so I think that as a journalist I tend to think about you know, there's different types of media content, and so there's uh, news, which is obviously when you're reporting on something new that's happening. So, you know, that might be a crowdfunding campaign for something really unusual. Um, could be news, but actually, another way you might go about that is to pitch an opinion article. So, if you were crowdfunding for i don't know something to do with um looking after bees or something like that obviously in the uk we're always like really concerned with looking after our, our bees and um and if you were launching you know you're crowdfunding to raise some money for some kind of innovative thing that would kind of look look after our bees and keep them healthy this is actually a real story that i wrote about actually um then you you might actually go and and instead of asking them to write about your your, your campaign, you might actually say, Could I write you an opinion article on why we need to look after our bees? And the reason why this is relevant now is because I've just launched this this new crowdfunding campaign for whatever it might be. Um, another thing is you might have a personal story to tell. So it could be that you'd survived um, you know, a, a really dangerous bee sting and that had got you interested in bees or something like that. Um, so there's a personal story. So does that kind of make sense that for different publications and different sections of publication, there are different ways of telling that story? story. I know that can be a bit, like for me, it makes it second nature because I've worked on magazines and newspapers, but I I can imagine it's probably quite hard to get your head around if you haven't.
0: Yeah. That's actually um, a really great point because I, when I pitch myself, I pitch opinion pieces. Mm -hmm. But when I pitch clients or when we hire a PR firm to pitch clients, it's the news piece or, Hey, we have something coming up. Would you like to write about us? And I think I really love the opinion piece because there's an article from one of my past clients, um, Jamstack, who entrepreneur reached out to him to ask him to write his story about how he took whatever, right? But this is because this is from a pitch to show how Chris, the entrepreneur took $12,000 in savings and turned it into a business worth Mm -hmm. 1.5 million in 12 months. And so entrepreneur picked that up and they're like, Chris, can you please write a piece about this? And that's a really great way to also showcase the team and the entrepreneur with a different angle that I had. you know, I don't usually consider when we're pitching product focused.
1: Mm, yeah. And I've got like um, a diagram that I often get my clients to work through and it shows all the different kind of media content that there is. It's like a wheel sort of thing. And so what most people focus their efforts on is news. So they focus, and this is what drives me mad about PR companies to be honest, is that they will just kind of take loads of money off you to do this really unimaginative let's send a press release out and see if anyone will write about it and actually that's probably the least likely way you are to get press coverage but there's all these other ways so like you mentioned so an opinion article or it could be an experience article so I know the big news sites like um, Forbes, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur they're often very interested Uh, fast company they're very interested in the kind of journey type story so the personal experience and there might be features journalists are really really interested in trends so say for example that you are an entrepreneur that has taken your last twelve thousand and and taken a massive big risk um to launch a business a magazine might be interested in profiling three entrepreneurs who have you know taken their savings and and thrown everything out starting a new business. Um, and and they're, they're really interested in that kind of trend. So, um, for example, I did a crowdfunding story for The Guardian recently, and it was about academics that were using crowdfunding to, um, to, to basically fund their research. And I spoke to about three or four different academics who are using this and what why that was interesting it was because it was showing a trend it was like oh hang on a minute you know the, these poor cash-strapped academics are, are struggling to get like government funding to do this research so they're taking matters into their own hands and doing crowdfunding so it kind of illustrated a trend so that bit might be another way that you could get you could get coverage by looking at kind of more of a feature and there's so many different types you know there's interviews you could put yourself forward for an interview slot and again if you know the publications that you're pitching pitching for then you can put yourself forward for those and I think the key thing is to be as creative and imaginative as you you can and I always say to people rather than start with the story start with the publications and programs that you would like to be featured in and have a look at them and say oh like that's interesting but I've noticed on the back page every edition they have an interview with an entrepreneur maybe I could put myself forward for that or I've noticed that they always do a trend feature about eight pages in and actually maybe they might be interested in in putting together a feature it might mean that I need to find a couple of other people who might be interested in being featured in this article as well and but that's another way and I think starting with the publicational program rather than starting I always think like starting with your story that you want to get covered it's a bit like you know those children's toys where you put these shapes and you have to put the shapes in the right like hole kind of thing And, and and I see people out doing this and it's like you know trying to sometimes put a square peg into a round hole And, you know, you're trying to maybe sell a story to a publication that just wouldn't ever run that kind of story. So the more flexible you can be and the more you can say, OK, well, let's, let's just start with the places that I really would like to be covered. And these are generally the places where, you know, they're going to get you in front of the right kind of people, the people you want to reach, um, then that's usually a better strategy. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, that does. Now, I'm going to pause. We cannot forget to thank the guys over at Backerkit for sponsoring this episode. Backerkit is a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you take care of all the logistics, spreadsheets, and... um, sorting customer data. Not only do they help make customer address changes super easy or changing rewards after someone has already bought, but the power is that they also help you um, do upsells and downsells and take care of all that. So if you don't have a system or platform already set up, um, they've already built that for you. And the best part, you can find them at backerkit.com, but they've actually um, created a discount code for the Uncut listeners, which are you guys. So if you go to uh, check out, use the code uncut, U-N-C-U-T, they're going to give you 50% off of their startup services, which is amazing. Um, So if you want to keep selling and keep making money and stay super organized, um, after your campaign, they are the guys to go to. I've worked with them on a few campaigns now and they are amazing. Again, backerkit.com. A lot of the entrepreneurs that I speak to, they generally don't pitch until they've launched their campaign and then they feel that they have something to talk about. And I find that um, some of the best press that we do is when we give them a bit of a lead time and can build that relationship before they actually write about us, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So what would you say to an entrepreneur that it's maybe their first time and they don't know what the angle is or don't know why the publication would be interested in talking about their thing? How would you help someone find that initial angle when they don't necessarily know what that is or they don't have traction on their idea just yet?
1: Okay, well, I I would say that anyone who has a business can be getting press coverage right now. So you could be out there getting press coverage and you'll be an expert in something. Um, So what I would suggest that that you do even way before you're going to put your product out there is that you start getting out there and trying to get some media coverage and there's various ways that you can do this so the easiest way that you can do it is you can sign up for media inquiry services so your listeners may be aware of things like help a reporter out now they will be looking these are journalists who are actively looking for help with stories so you may see a request which is like you know we're looking for um startup owners in their first six months of business or we're looking for people who've left a job in order to start a business or it could actually be something that's not particularly related to your business but the key thing is that you're out there and you're trying to build relationships with journalists what you don't want to do is wait right until you've got to launch your product product and you're starting from scratch you've got no relationships with the media you've never talked to a journalist you've got you've got no contacts you've got nothing at all um so i would be really looking to um Use things like media inquiry services to start connecting with journalists, to start making contacts and actually sometimes helping them out on stories where you can't immediately see what the benefit is for you um, because that's still a contact. But what you what you're trying to do is then when you have got a story uh, that you do think is relevant to your business, you can go back to them and say, hey, remember, I helped you out on that story. Well, actually, now I've got this coming up and you're going to find that you're going to get a much better reception. So that would be one thing that I would do. But also just think about it a little bit creatively. I mean, one of my clients is launching an app in September and she has been working on this app. I think I've been working with her for about 18 months now. Um, and she didn't really have anything. She, she it's an app that's going to help people who've got food intolerances, so eat out. So so basically the idea is that you'll be able to get this app on your phone. You can stand outside any restaurant and know what the ingredients are in their menu so you can make a decision as to whether or not you can, you can eat in that restaurant now my client has got you know personal experience of this because she follows the FODMAP diet so she's got a great personal story to tell when the time is right but the thing is her app isn't ready yet however she's used what experience she has had so she's a woman in tech so she's been featured in the Guardian the Huffington Post she's been on Sky News talking about being a woman in tech she wrote a really great piece for the Guardian about about how to develop an app and you know the things that were involved and whether or not you should uh, create an app for your business so she's just tried to be creative and thinking about well okay my product isn't ready yet I don't have that story to tell but what do I have that would be of value to the media and I've yet to come across anybody who doesn't have any expertise or any experience that could get them talking to journalists and making those relationships so does that kind of make sense
0: yep that does it's just uh think outside the box
1: yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's, I mean, and I think the thing about entrepreneurs, they're often really creative, gutsy people. And I'm often surprised, actually, how when it comes to dealing with the media, how timid some entrepreneurs can be and actually, you know, take some of that kind of gutsiness that makes you go and pitch for funding or makes you, you know, go and put a crop product out there for, for crowdfunding and use it for the media. The other thing I'd really recommend as well is is to get yourself out there where journalists will be. So, OK, you might be six months, you might be a year off your launch, um, but you, there are probably some big industry events going on in in your area get yourselves out to those events because journalists will often be speaking at them or they'll be hanging out in the press office and it's absolutely fine to 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 find out what journalists are going to be there and send them an email and ask if they can meet for coffee so I think it's about being proactive and I definitely think it's about making those relationships with the media well before you're ready to launch because you can often find that lead times on publications are a lot longer than you you think they are Um, so you can end up kind of like thinking right okay ready to go and then like, oh sorry you've missed the deadline actually and and you know the timing's all wrong so i think the more work you can do up front the absolute better
0: cool so when i look at a pitch i see two things i see a press release and i see a pitch um from because i've never worked in pr either so i've just you know based on experience but do you add the press release into the email or do you attach it and have the short and sweet email? Like, can you walk me through that format a little bit?
1: Okay. So first off, I want to back up and say, um, don't write a press release unless you absolutely have to. Um, my book is called your press release is breaking my heart because I've just seen so many rubbish press releases, which are of no use to anybody. And I see people paying for other people to write press releases for them when a simple email would do. Journalists love exclusives. And when you send out a press release, you're basically saying to them, that you've probably sent it out to loads of other people as well. So I would actually always favour a personalised email. If you want to write a press release, because that it is a useful document, particularly in terms of gathering all the kind of key information together, I would paste it below an email pitch. But I would really recommend that you do not just send out, unless you've got some amazing story and some amazing like product that is just going to blow people's minds, you know, you know, that people have never heard of, and it's going to be the talk of the media. I And, and how many people are going to have a story like that? Probably not many. Um, I would recommend writing a personal tailored email to every outlet you pitch to and offering them something different so you know you might offer one you might offer entrepreneur a personal story you might offer an opinion piece to fast company um so you're offering them something different um because it's like you know it's (laughs) It's like if you were pitching for funding, you know, if you sent exactly the same pitch to, to, to people that you wanted to offer you funding without thinking about what was different about them and, and what might be sort of unique to them and, and, and what what was in it for them, basically, um, then you probably found that you, you wouldn't get much of a reaction. So I think actually taking the same... the the same approach as you would for fundraising is probably a good plan for pitching. So write a tailored email pitch and find out the name of the person who can actually make a decision about whether to run with your story or not and get it in front of them. And then if you want to write a press release, just paste it below.
0: Okay. I love that. Uh, My last question is one that I'm going to ask you, which is what is something I should have asked you, but I haven't.
1: Something you should have asked me. But I haven't. Gosh, that's a really, really good question. A good question would be, how do I actually get, I think a lot of people get that they need to understand the publications and programs that they're pitching to. But I think a good question to ask would be, how do I do that. So a little trick that I would give you uh, it's not the most pleasant thing to do but it really does work is is to think about how journalists plan their content. So as a journalist we'll use something called a flat plan for a print publication. And this is basically as it says on the tin a flat plan where we will mark up what basically what's going to be covered in each edition. Now people if you don't work on a magazine or newspaper you might just imagine that journalists sit down and say oh what should we put in this edition but actually it's quite rigid, you know, so you'll find that the opinion articles are on one page every week and that the features tend to be this many pages and the news tends to be this many pages. So if there's a, a magazine or a newspaper you'd love to get featured in, I would literally recommend, and I have blank, flat uh, black flat plans, I should say, that I give to my clients to do this, that you write down what you see on every page and you study it over maybe three or four weeks so that you can get a sense of three or four editions, you can get a sense of the patterns. So, okay, I see that they do an interview with an entrepreneur every friday on the back page or something like that and then what it's also helping you do is to um see where there aren't opportunities for you and so you're not going to waste time on, on suggesting things that are just not a good fit it's tougher to do it online but it's still possible so if you look at something like fast company and you spend a little bit of time studying it you will notice that they have verticals so they have certain sort of themes so they've, they've changed it up recently but they used to have like working life section and they used to have i think something that was called like um, second shift which was for parents who were juggling a business with family life and if you just look at a few of those articles and you go back you'll see oh actually it looks like they publish one of those every tuesday or it looks like they publish one of those every day and have a look at some of the writers and say oh is that a staff writer or are they using contributors and basically it's about trying to decode as much as you possibly can about that publication so when you send that pitch you absolutely nail it and that's the bit that people miss out I think is I think they do understand that they need to read the publication or they need to know the publication or program or whatever it is but actually what is involved and what level of detail involved it's quite a different thing yeah for sure
0: no that was a it's a great question that's why I asked it you know
1: <laughs> and it is it's a really good question I've never been asked it before so it's a good question
0: you know, that's what I started doing these interviews because, you know, you've been on several podcasts and you get asked the same questions over and over and over again. It's like, how can I make this different to, and make you really think about something you haven't been asked before publicly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. In terms of, um, journalists, how do you find the right person to speak to It, it? Not mechanically how to find an email address, but like, how do you find the relevant person that you should be pitching?
1: Well, actually, Twitter is a really great resource. So it takes a little bit of decoding as well. But but again, it's thinking about the kind of content that you're pitching. So if you're pitching an opinion article, then you might look for an opinion editor on Twitter. Or if you're pitching a feature, then you might look for a features editor. But again, that takes a little bit of understanding of, of media content. But the quickest way to do it, and it's the easiest thing, but Again, most people don't do it. It's just to pick up the phone and just ring up and say, look, I've got an idea. I think it's an opinion piece and it's kind of on this. Who's the best person to speak to? I often say to people, treat it like a customer service call and just say, look, I've got an idea about this or I've got an idea that I think could work for next week's edition. Or for tomorrow, or whatever. Who is the best person to speak to? And it's a little bit scary because you might get put on the phone. It's happened to me before when I've done this, and then suddenly you get put—you do get put on the phone to the right person. <laughs> and then you're, you know, you, you, I think you need to be prepared to kind of be able to pitch your idea over the phone. Um, but this is why this ten-word top line is so important because, it, especially when you get journalists on the phone, they they haven't got much time and they'll make a decision very very quickly. So if you're stumbling around and aren't able to get to the point, but if you're able to say, you know, are you interested? Interested in doing something on my new line of disposable surfware? They get it straight away, and they can make a decision. So, so I'd say just cut through and and phone up is usually the easiest way to do it. And not many people yeah. do it these days. So you probably find that you you get quite a good reception.
0: Yeah. No, the default is to do what's easy, which is email, Twitter, or any sort of written medium online, and mm, not old-fashioned, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: calling. right? Yeah.
0: But that's yeah. the thing: like, how many people are actually calling journalists these days? I'd love to know not, that stat.
1: Yeah, not not many and when I'm covering, like I always pick up the phone because I'm like doing it research for my business. I'm always really interested. But a little tip would be is a lot of journalists don't answer their phone. News reporters tend to answer their phone more. And, um, but it's to find an editorial assistant. So find somebody who's a bit junior, so a production assistant um, or a broadcast assistant. Um, often they have a little bit more time and will be quite happy to talk to you about, about how things work on their publication. And really good questions to ask. A couple of other little tips is if you ring up and you get a knockback which can happen they say no not not interested a really good question to ask is is there anything else I can help with you right help you with right now and they might say well actually we're looking to do a feature on this and you say oh well maybe I know somebody who might be able to help with that so so the the key thing it's like any kind of I guess a sales conversation is never kind of leave things open and if somebody says to you like no your idea isn't of interest it's always worth saying well do you mind just giving me some idea on why. And then you could also say to them, what would I need to do to make this story work for you? That could be another, you know, they might say nothing is a terrible story. Um, but as with any of this stuff, you know, you get out what you put in. And I think if you're wor- if you're kind of brave enough to ask some of those questions, um, you can often find that people, you know, are actually quite receptive and much nicer than you think. So I hope that's a couple of extra bonus tips that might help. Man,
0: those are awesome. Yeah, you surprised me with those
1: because I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah,
0: because like I'm always wondering on a sales conversation, you know, what that next step for follow up is or or whatnot. But I really, really love those.
1: Yeah, so. it's, it's, just, it's just they're so obvious, but actually so many people just get, you know, if you get a knockback the immediate reaction is just go, okay, okay. So As an editor, I hear people do it. um, And I want them to say to me, is there anything else I can help you with? Because actually, journalists are actively looking for stories. And, you know, I've been in that situation as a journalist where my editor has said to me, you have to get, you know, this kind of story. And you have to get it by this time of the day. And I'm desperate. And I'm calling everybody in my contacts book. And I'm, you know, emailing everybody I can possibly think of. So I think, there's a mindset shift to do there. You're not a pest. I don't know if that's a word that your listeners would use, but yeah, 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 you're not a pest. You are potentially solving a problem. You're potentially offering them some content. So most journalists, you know, as long as you're not rambling on and wasting their time, you know, they won't mind you saying, look, is there anything else you need help with at the moment? And you know, don't be offended if they say no or whatever. Um, you know, most people will generally be okay and it can actually open a few doors for you.
0: For sure. I really, really love that tip. Man, I learn more every time I do these interviews. This has been awesome. And guys, I highly recommend her book. Um, if you want to find out more about how they can work with you or your blog, where's a good site to send them to?
1: So just come to my personal website, which is JanetMurray.co.uk. So J-A-N-E-T-M-U-R-R-A-Y. I'm also over on Twitter at Jan underscore Murray. I'm very active there as most journalists are. I'm also over on Instagram at Jan Murray UK. And I've got a fab Facebook group, which is the Soulful PR Facebook community where I'm in there every day answering people's questions and quite happy to kind of jump in and, and help you out. So do come over. Awesome. I'll be
0: sure to link to all of those in the show notes. Um, but apart from that, this wraps up another episode, uh, guys, if you're in the middle of planning your crowdfunding campaign and you're kind of stuck with what you should be doing first and stuff like that, um, we have some good guidance. If you head over to crowdfundinguncut.com, we have a freebie available right now, which is the crowdfunding product launch checklist. So it's like literally a six month roadmap from start to finish what you need to do to prep for a successful campaign. And if you're looking for a bit of additional help, be sure to click on the Academy button as we do have a monthly membership community as well, which is a bit more high level. Um, But apart from that, wraps it up and we'll talk to you
1: guys next week.